Welcome back to Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. Just a quick announcement. We are going to have two episodes coming out this week. This first one is going to be about Serena Williams, the Jimmy G stuff going on, Donovan Mitchell, maybe a little college football at the end. And then there will be a separate episode that is going to be totally uh, dedicated to uh, the NFL and week one. So we'll have our picks. We'll have an updated prediction. Uh, we'll, we'll look back at the predictions that we made for the playoffs and the divisions, and then we'll do an updated version of that as well. So two episodes coming out this week, uh, one dedicated to more than just one sport, and then, again, the other one will be just NFL football. Um, all right, so before we get started, Sam, how was your week? Man, it was good. Uh, weather's been great here in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle area. I mean, it's, you can't ask for 65 and sunny. Just can't beat it. I know, I know you're... You have a, it's really nice there right now. Pretty much perfect down in Northern California, but no, no, here, I'll just read you the forecast for the next few days. Um, 108, 112, 113, 110, 110, 110. And then next week it drops to 88. So hopefully this is the last major heat wave, um, of, of the year, but fingers crossed on that. One. You know, you never told me that you moved to Arizona. That's really weird. You know, I didn't know either. took a wrong turn somewhere somewhere because this is just ridiculous it is it's it's gross that's the best way that i can describe like walking outside you can just feel the heat and for somebody who loves cold weather this is not it needs to be cold (laughs) it needs to come (laughs) back i'm missing wearing sweatpants Um, but yeah we'll see hopefully this will be the last heat wave and then we won't have to deal with it going forward well, this All is right. the last weekend without NFL football, so yeah, coming up, well, you're, not even gonna, up yeah. you're not even going to have a reason to go outside. Exactly. That's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right. So the only place, the only place that we can get started is with Serena Williams, and I'm not even going to start with the match, uh, which potentially, most likely, looks like it's going to be her last one. You know, in the post-game interview, they asked her if it was actually going to be the last one. And she, like, said yes, but she also didn't, like, close the door on it. It wasn't a definitive no. I'm not so sh- I'm not sure if that was, like, just in the moment. Don't want to say it, but uh, most likely going to be her last one. So the other day, um, it was about five days ago as the recording of this podcast. Today is September 3rd, so that would be August 29th. Uh, ESPN posted something that I thought was really interesting, and it happened to do with Serena Williams. So this says right here, today's edition of Sports Are Crazy. It is August 29th, 2022. Serena Williams won at the U.S. Open, at the US Open and Albert Pujols hit a home run. This mm-hmm. also happened August 29th, 2001. <laughs> She wanted the second round of the U.S. Open, and then Pujols also uh, hit a home run in August 29th, 2001. So 20, basically 20 years apart from each other, and they both uh, do something incredible in their sports. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Just funny to see uh, the longevity of, uh, of both of those players. Um, and speaking of longevity, let me just read you quickly you know, some some of Serena Williams' uh, accomplishments over 27 years of uh, 
playing professional tennis. So she was a four-time Olympic gold medalist, 23 grand, grand, 23 grand slam single titles, most grand slam singles titles in the open era, 14 grand slam doubles titles, only tennis player ever to achieve the career golden slam in both singles and doubles, joint longest run as the number one ranked female player. So that is a short list of what is a very long list of accomplishments for Serena Williams. But, you know, I mean, if we're making a short list of the greatest athletes in American history, maybe the greatest athletes ever, she's got to be on that list. Got to be. Top five. Mm-hmm. Most most dominant athletes in her sport, his or her sport. It's, she's got to be in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, when it comes to basketball, there's that delineation between you know, maybe Michael was the greatest of all time, but, you know, Bill Russell was the greatest winner of all time. And with, and, you know, even now in the NFL, there's the, some people will talk about, okay, well, Tom Brady's, you know, the greatest of all time, but Aaron Rodgers might be the best of all time in terms of just pure passing and pure skill in the position. With Serena, you know, I don't know how many sports where you can claim both of those, but I think she would claim both of those uh, fairly quickly if anybody decided to uh, debate about it. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about her, I think, a couple of times on this show because we're a closet tennis show. But mm-hmm. watching her, I think, pretty much the last decade, right, the 2010 to 2020s and then a little bit sprinkled in it there, she was the most dominant. She probably won a couple majors every single year of that decade. And she was the best bet going in to win, I think, within sports, right? That was the most solid bet that you could make. If it's not Rafa winning a French Open, it's Serena winning any other major, right? Right, Because of how dominant she just overpowered the field. I think... Something gets her to it, comparing her to the prime of Tiger, right? She gives you all of that dominance that Tiger gave gave us for so long in a sport that's predominantly white, higher class, different things like that, right? But then coupled with off the field, what a model citizen she's been, what a role model for women, for women of color, for athletes of color going into a sport like tennis, I mean, the impact that she's going to have on sports and the sport of tennis, especially in America, America talks about tennis when Serena Williams is playing in the U S open, playing in Wimbledon, playing in the French open, playing in the Australian open. Like she was the center and the face of U S tennis for 20 years. Right. And I think that impact is going to be, it can't be understated. Really, and I can't, I'm excited to see what that really looks like. So, if you didn't see the match, um, Serena Williams uh, lost in the third round, and we looked up pronunciation uh, of, of her opponent's name. It's Isla Tomjanovic. Um, the J's were a little bit tricky. <laughs> it was funny, on the broadcast, I was, I was waiting to see if they were going to say it. I was like, I'm not saying it in her first name, so... It can't be in the last name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the match broke down 7-5. Um, Serena lost that one 7-6 uh, during the second set. And then the last one was 6-1. Um, so 
I turned it on at the beginning of the, well, actually not the beginning. I'm sorry. It was 4-0 in Serena's favor uh, in the second set. Um, so I had missed everything up until that point. So I pretty much turned it on at the halfway point um, of, of the match. And Serena was bouncing around. She was moving really well. Um, she looked like she was in control when I turned it on. And then after after that like first 15 or 20 minutes, Isla really started to just kind of chip away, like chip, chip, chip. Like every time Serena would like pull away, she would just, Isla would just do something to pull back that moment. It was like Serena couldn't, couldn't extend the gap in that second half because what ended up happening is that it really felt like she should have put her away in that second set fairly quickly. I mean, she was up 4-0. She had all the momentum in the world. And then, you know, it ends up going 6-6 out of nowhere. And then we get to that third set. And, I mean, the expression that I used with, with Island, I have to give her a ton of credit, is she reminded me of, like, Captain America when he was saying, I could do this all day. She never looked like she slowed down the whole entire time and the I don't know what I obviously don't know what it would be like in that situation and I think it's unique to tennis and unique to that singular moment um with Serena's opponent because I don't think anybody in the crowd was rooting against Isla everybody was just rooting for Serena so every time Serena scored or did something amazing the crowd just blew up and every time a point win in Isla's favor is like golf clap but it's not like it's not and it wasn't coming from a place of like disrespect it was like they wanted to see Serena win so I think that that is such a singularly unique moment to that individual match um because you know the potential for it to be Serena's last match um and which you know, sadly it ended up being, but I got to give Isla a ton of credit. I know Serena is the greatest of all time, and I know um, she's got this long, just gigantic list of accomplishments, but I was really impressed with her opponent because she came in and was like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> like, I'm just going to play, and I'm not going to worry about anybody else, and I'm just going to do my thing. And she was bouncing around the whole game, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, who would want to be put in that position? I know certainly I would want to be in that position of potentially ending the biggest figure, the greatest player of your sport, ending her career with loss. Everyone there wanted to see her win, not just because she was American, but because she was the greatest. And this was her her swan song, her last dance, right? Um, I, I'm curious, like, Put yourself in that position, right, in the third set, and you're up 5-1, right, about to win, serving for the game, right? Is a part of you, like, dang, really sorry? Or are you almost, as an athlete, like, oh, I'm going to, like, almost step on their throat, finish this. Like, I'm going to be the person that ended her career. Like, how does... I don't even know how you motivate yourself to really get that win. I think, you know, I was, it's funny you say that because I, 
you know, she had she talked about it in the post in the post game interview. You know, she yeah, talked all about her questions how, were about Serena. <laughs> yeah, you know, she talks about growing up watching her and all that stuff. And I I have to I have to think that you know in that moment it was. I mean, it had to. The competitor I imagine of her was like, I'm gonna I'm, I have to I'm gonna win this match. Like it's in my grasp. I'm gonna take it. And then you look across and you see that it's Serena, and you just go like, "It's like I have the utmost respect for you, but you're in my way. I'm sorry, but I ha- but I have to do this kind of thing. Almost like a I, I don't I don't even know what the right expression was, but like she's bowing before she <laughs> stabs you. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And like yeah, it's just I, I think I think in that situation, I don't know. And I imagine it's probably unique to the individual player. Um, it would be a neat thing. I, I imagine it would be a bittersweet thing, especially if you grew up watching Serena. To yes, it would be awesome to say, "Yeah, I, I was the one that beat her in her last match." But then at the same time, the fan in you is like, "Man, <laughs> damn, that was my role model. <laughs> I just ended it for everybody." <laughs> like even. Uh... Even her family may not have been rooting for her in that moment. Could have been rooting for Serena to get that. Like a part of I doubt that. <laughs> well, I but I like, get what you're saying. Yeah. Like like it was such a big pull for Serena to find a way to continue this run. And it's like, oh man, do I gotta be the one to do it? Can I just be on the other side of the draw? Can someone else do this? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. It's like and you, she may, she, I'm sure she was well aware that she had the conditioning element that that was an advantage as that match wore on, especially with how hard Serena had to fight to win yeah. that second set. To add to that, that second set was almost 90 minutes long. Yeah, and we're talking about Serena, who has not played consistently in the last two, three years really like she has not been playing every single tournament sporadically playing majors and the fact that she was able to get two wins in this u.s open run by kind of coming out of retirement in a way because she hadn't participated played in a tournament in a long time was incredible but you knew as the tournament was going to draw on she just didn't have enough time to recover really mm-hmm. and get back to full strength and it was just gonna be just a struggle throughout yeah and like i said give isla credit because this is one of those situations where it's not like serena lost it like isla isla beat her she Mm -hmm. like it was she she legit it was a straight up like it was there was no giveaway or anything like that um i don't know how much i mean who knows what would have happened if serena just would have gone like seven one or I mean, or six one um, in the. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, six one in the second set. Mm. How much that would affected? Uh, how much that would have affected the the outcome? She did look a little gassed towards the end. Like Isla was still bounced. I kept watching her because I wanted to see kind of how she was handling everything. And she was just she was bouncing around, still up on her feet, and yeah, Serena just looked tired. Like she really did look tired. I don't blame her <laughs> um, yeah. at all. Um, and yeah, just honestly, more than anything, it looked like it was just much longer than she 
um, could handle and the younger legs uh, just prevailed in that situation. Uh, she still had some amazing shots um, mm. in that match. It was, it was, she was covering the court really well. Um, it was really fun to watch. Bittersweet, though. bittersweet. Yeah, hopefully her legacy continues. I mean, hopefully she is not forgotten very quickly in yeah, the sporting I, world. Yeah, I, I, I imagine she won't be. Uh, Mount Rushmore of uh, American athletes, for sure. And it touched on that a little bit, too, because it's weird how coincidentally Albert Pujols is playing probably the best baseball <laughs> yeah. of the last decade of his career in the last couple of weeks here with the Cardinals because he is putting up numbers and like slugging percentage and hard hit balls, exit, exit velos and different things like that are like closer to the prime of his career that he's putting up. Right. And it's just so weird that that is happening while Serena is making this run and Tom is carving up defenses and yeah. preseason games and, Age is just a number right now. I was gonna say, I think the needle's <laughs> probably moving in sports a little bit for what's the what's considered old. Um, and there's still going to be obvious. I mean, Russell Wilson the other day I heard was talking about playing well into his 40s, um, oh. and which you know with that deal that he just signed, um, he better be playing well. Actually. I hope he, I like Russell a lot, but I hope he does it from a selfish standpoint, just because of the, uh, the whole Broncos thing. Um, but yeah, no, Serena Williams, one of the best, uh, athletes in American history, one of the best athletes of all time, male, female, doesn't matter, just athlete as a, as a category. Um, mm. and she, if you're making a list, um, of the best people to ever do it in any sport, you know, she's no list is valid without her. So, yeah. I mean, just uh, look at the accomplishments, look at the moments that she was able to provide over the years. I'm winning while you're pregnant, winning a tennis <laughs> grand slam while you're pregnant is just something I'm not, no man can do that, right? <laughs> no man can have that claim, but just. Nope. The frequency at which she delivered greatness. I mean, it was an absolute disappointment if she didn't win. So right? how much how much claim does her daughter have to that title? <laughs> she participated. Yes. Hey, technically that should have been a doubles. She should That's have been what a I'm doubles. Saying. She was she was involved. She was there. <laughs> she covered all the ground that Serena did. Just show I me mean, everywhere that shows, Serena went. Shows pictures. Yeah, you're right there. You're right yeah. there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you got to etch your name into that. I, mean, I was hitting this for this forearm, and the reason it missed is because you kicked right as yeah, soon. you kicked right here. Yeah, <laughs> you threw me off. You threw me off. All right. Well, Serena Williams, uh, one of the greatest to ever do it. Like I said, male, female, just lump uh, every athlete into one category. She belongs on any list that you're making for the best to ever do it. So. Uh, the person who does not belong on that list uh, is the backup quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. I didn't know that was going to be the transition for it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty smooth. I just kind of just wanted to see your reaction. That took me by surprise. Yeah. Um, Jimmy G. So as a 49er fan, I have to ask, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts about Jimmy G staying in San Francisco for a year? Man, this is the big story. Is How is this the end of the saga? 
of Jimmy G. I mean, right. supposed to get traded, supposed to be released, supposed to go to all these teams, Texans, Browns, Carolina for a little bit, Seattle definitely linked to him, Tennessee maybe, all these teams were being linked to Jimmy G and he's, he's going to be a niner this year, mm-hmm. at least for a couple weeks until maybe getting traded. Um, when I saw that pop up and the fact that they were able to restructure his deal this this franchise just does it differently and what i mean by that is no i don't think a lot of franchises would have been willing to draft a young qb and sit him behind a guy that's established and still make a run like what they did last year with trey and then how they've handled this offseason with being consistent of hey we want jimmy to go find a place but if he wants to come back we'll take him but this is trey's team and that has come to fruition. And now it's still, no, this is Trey's team. And Jimmy is just, he's the best backup quarterback in the league right now. And that's a luxury to have, right? And now they get him with 18 million, I think less than what the cap hit would be, which is huge because if there's no way they would have taken him for 25, 24 million. Um, the only thing that I think provides a little bit of validity is what happens when Trey struggles and he's inevitably going to struggle because he's only played a couple of years of high level football. If you're counting college and the NFL, right? So he's gonna, and he struggled in preseason. He looked awful in the last preseason game, just completely missing wide open dudes. And it was kind of frustrating to watch what happens when he struggles and you have a healthy Jimmy G who's run that offense really well. What happens when he's just sitting there? You can't play him. No, that would destroy Trey. No, you can't play him. So you just have he just has to watch. You can't play him because uh, you can't go backwards. If you've made the transition to Trey, then you have to stay with Trey. Um, growing pains and all. You know, I I think for Jimmy, I mean Jimmy, I don't. I mean he's in a good spot right now. I think in in the sense that the organization obviously loves him. We know his teammates love him. Um, next year, if he, if he remains with the team the whole year, then he's going to have mm-hmm. the option to go, you know, pretty much wherever he wants. Um, yeah. And, you know, after a couple of weeks, if somebody does go down, you're never rooting for that, then, you know, the 49ers have a, you know, a person readily available to go, okay, give us somebody in return for a starting quarterback who's made it to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. So I heard I heard a lot more mixed reactions than I thought I was going to about this deal. Mm-hmm. Um but I I yeah, I don't see it as a negative thing. Um I like I, I said, think as long as Jimmy and Trey are good, there shouldn't be any I mean, Jimmy knew this was coming. And mm-hmm. I imagine that it's, yeah, it's probably a hard pill to swallow. Um, but we, I mean, I haven't heard anything negative coming out of that locker room or out of that organization about there being tension between Trey and, and Jimmy. So um, I, don't, I don't see it as a negative because, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not going to make that transition to Trey and then go back to Jimmy. Right. So they're not going to switch. But if Trey gets hurt, then you don't, lose anything then you just keep rolling then you just keep going 
Um, and hell, you might even be better. <laughs> Which is, um, well, okay, let's slow, slow down a little bit. See, that's part of the, <laughs> that's part of the story that's kind of, but this team, right, coming out, everyone agrees. Outside of the quarterback position, this is a Super Bowl caliber roster, right? With how deep they are, they, they got better at the secondary. Their defense is supposed to be the driving force of this team which is weird for a team that has Debo Samuel coming back, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk lighting up training camp, Elijah Mitchell coming back. Um, they have another running back that they're really high on, a rookie running back, check Trent Williams, like pro bowlers throughout, right? It's just this quarterback position. And if Trey can be a little bit consistent, yeah, right? And we're going to talk about it a little more. I want to do a deep dive of what really the Niners need from Trey to be – competing this year I think for 11 10 or 11 wins this year to make the playoffs right and I don't think it's a lot that they need out of that quarterback position with how much I mean they run the ball the majority of the time over 50 percent plays called or runs right so they're not really going to be asking and, then, and that's maybe even going to go up with design runs for Trey mm-hmm. right I all all I need is Trey to go out against Chicago and play well. And I think silence a little bit of the critics and calm down the backward, the noise behind of like, oh man, it's not good that Jimmy G's back there. He's going to be putting pressure on this young kid the whole time. All I've heard is Kyle and John Lynch come out and say, we talked to Trey. He's a confident dude. He doesn't care. He likes Jimmy as a person. So he's happy that he's back in. Right. And we just got to take, take them at their word. They yep. wouldn't have done this deal if they thought that it was going to have an adverse effect on Trey. Uh, really quickly, win win. We just, I just talked about it a long time for the Niners side, but for Jimmy's side, I think you touched on it a lot too. Next year, he is in a great position. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a year removed for this, from the shoulder surgery, which was the thing that sounded like it was holding up a lot of teams about making that deal. There's going to be a lot of positions open. Seattle, Tampa Bay could potentially be open if Tom decides to retire. New Orleans, if Jameis doesn't go well. Like there's, mm-hmm. um, who knows what Tennessee looks like if Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill does. Saying, like, Malik Willis was lighting it up in the right. preseason. Uh, heck, I've been kind of hyping him up this, at least last show, but if Tua doesn't do Tua. well with this team, wouldn't Miami want to make that deal and go get Jimmy G on a cheaper deal? Like Jimmy is putting himself in a great position to just get healthy and wait I mean, till next year. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who else <laughs> Detroit would take him. I think Jared Goff uh, is pretty a, good though. Yeah. Um, the Giants might take him if Daniel Jones doesn't uh, uh, do well this year. Seattle. Now, Definitely. I don't I don't know how well I mean trading them into the division, but uh well you just sign it for agency at commanders. I mean could Yeah, if the Wentz thing doesn't go well, um I'm just scrolling down. Um I don't think the Jets would give up on Zach Wilson that quickly if he didn't play well. Yeah. Um Patriots no. Houston, yeah, there'll be there'll be spots for Jimmy. There'll yeah. be spots for Jimmy to go. And I think ideally, if Tom retired, the Bucks would 
sprint to go get him. Um, and then New Orleans, too, um, if the Jameis thing doesn't go well. Um, and hell, Atlanta. I mean, I know Mariota is now their quarterback, but who do you want, Mariota? Or I guess we have to see what how Mariota plays. Um, yeah. But uh, there'll be spots. Tough, tough year to judge Mariota off of because that roster, I think, around him isn't super talented. He's got weapons, yeah. but that, that O line isn't super good. Um, yeah. He looked good in preseason, though. Marcus? Yeah. I mean, I'm rooting for him. Really. I, I really I'm am. Former Raider. Former Duck, too. So we both got, we both got, <laughs> staking, we both got stake in Mariota doing well. So, well, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with Jimmy G next season. Doesn't appear that much is going to happen this season, but yeah, I think we're both on the same page. I think it's a win-win for both sides. Yeah. So which I, is I, think, interesting. I think it's much to do about nothing with people making, saying that it's not a good deal. I don't, yeah. Don't it's, a lot of people are trying to drive that narrative. I mean, did you see what Steve Young came out and said? Mm-hmm. He said it's it can't be a good situation. They brought Jimmy G back. It'll yeah. get tricky. No, I no, no, I, I know. I, I. Sorry, Steve. You don't. You know nothing about playing quarterback. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Especially the Niners. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I don't see it that way. I really don't. I really don't. I, I I choose to look at it from the side that I, I think if they had a tumultuous relationship, then this wouldn't have even been considered. Um, and I heard I heard the other day on Greeny's radio show, uh, Diana Rossini was on, and she was talking about how Jimmy's been working out, like, at the facility. He hasn't really mm-hmm. technically been, like, on the team, per se, but the Niners have been letting him just work out, which is not something that a lot of teams would do. Um, so clearly the relationship there seems to be like it's great um mm-hmm. the players obviously love jimmy so you know now he just steps back into practice which i would imagine would be a little weird <laughs> um initially yeah. just have jimmy off to the side and then coming back in but at the same time you can choose to look at it that way or you can choose to look at it from the standpoint that they're letting him like practice here which is not something that a lot of teams would do so um yeah i i i, I think we're in agreement on that it's probably more more do about nothing and you know what if Trey goes down then they have a good backup but they're not going to switch to Jimmy mid-day. yeah and and I think it's I think it's valuable if Jimmy chooses to be a mentor and lend some yeah. advice of how to run this offense having him there being hands-on and really being able to show like Kyle can try to give Trey as much information as possible but Jimmy has done it for mm-hmm. five seasons four seasons with the Niners I think it was 2016 is when he got traded, but that's a, like, that is so valuable in a QB room of even dissecting film of like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is what I'm looking at. Right. Right. That can't be a bad thing. Yeah. So uh, thumbs up from both of us on the Jimmy G deal. Um, feels like, feels like it was a good situation for both. Um, now I'll ask you about a different deal in a different sport. Let's head over to the NBA. Let's talk about the Donovan Mitchell uh, mm-hmm. situation, the Donovan Mitchell trade, which, by the way, <clears throat> if you haven't heard, which I'm kidding, I'm sure all of you have heard now, Donovan Mitchell gets traded from the U.S. to the Cleveland Cavaliers, New York Knicks fans throwing their hands up in the air with uh, 
little bit of disappointment on that one. Cleveland Cavaliers get Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz lose three players, the big player being Colin Sexton. They also give up unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 27, and 29, and then first-round swap rights in 2026 and 2028. So the Utah, Dan- the Utah Jazz got a haul yeah. for – Donovan Mitchell and for Rudy Gobert. Let's not uh, forget about how much they got in return for that as well. Um, okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I just, I was just thinking that of like, they got a lot for Rudy Gobert and they got a lot for Donovan Mitchell. So I actually pulled up their drafts and how many they have in the next five years. And I'll read it off to you once you're, once you're somewhere. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So in 2023, next year's draft, they have their original pick, one from the, Jesus, from three different teams, kind of, Rockets, Nets, Sixers. I think it's like a swap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Timberwolves first. So that's three in the first round next year. And if you're talking, if it's the Rockets, man, that could be a high pick. Timberwolves <laughs> probably won't. Jack, their, their own pick is going to be pretty high. <laughs> um, yeah. then they have theirs the Timberwolves the next year in a second round pick they have theirs the Timberwolves again in 2026 so oddly enough no 2024 first round pick which is kind of weird <laughs> but they are drafting twice in the first round till 2030 so you're going to hear the Utah Jazz are now on the clock a lot the next five yeah. years, the next so seven years. The deal for Beverly gave them um, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, um, two more players, it looks like, uh, and a total of four first-round picks. It's an unprotected uh, pick in 2023, first-round pick, an unprotected 2025 first-round pick, an unprotected 2027 first-round pick, and a top-five protected 2029 first-round Um so Utah gets rid of their two stars, but they have got a lot of picks in place to rebuild and rebuild fast. And yeah. here's the thing, too. If you're listening, don't just think that Utah that Utah is going to use all of those picks. They might. They very well could. But what it also ends up being is intriguing um, trade pieces for if they want to sign a free agent. Um, you know, it's like, hey, look, we have, like, 500 first round picks do you want like 10 of them um and then and then here's a couple players and then we'll take a superstar um so they have a lot of different they have a lot of runway a lot of different a lot of different avenues that they could pursue in that sense they could draft like i said a bunch of all they could use all of those picks and i'm not here i don't know which would be better i think it would depend on the draft um but if somebody becomes available then they have a very strong case to go out and uh you know, they could make a very strong case to go out and go get whoever that is. So um, I think Utah almost, I mean, it's tough because you lose yeah. like Donovan Mitchell's a great player and Rudy's um, a great center. Um, it's hard but to say whether or not they won. What were they doing with them? Right. They were stuck. They, yeah, no, they, they were hard stuck. So, and that's, you know, that's hard for me to say because Donovan Mitchell is a great player. To build around. But the fact that Rudy Gobert was there and he is, I mean, he's a dinosaur. He's a center that can't handle, can only make dunks. 
kind of doesn't have a post game. He plays great defense. Yeah, no can't make a sh- can't make a shot outside of the key, right? Mm-hmm. And you're gonna lock. You're gonna hitch a ride with that guy as one of your centerpieces. He's no, so they got a great deal from the Minnesota. Minnesota major overpaid for him. Oh yeah, he's he's Ben Simmons just center position. <laughs> yeah, um, and he doesn't get he doesn't get injured. Right. He's not a, he's not afraid to shoot free throws. I'm assuming. So a no, little yeah. better than Ben Simmons. And then the Mitchell trade, Sexton, we kind of know what he is. He's yeah. definitely, he's a starter, I think, in this league. Absolutely. But it's, yeah. not, it's not about that. The fact that they were able to get like eight, nine combined first round picks through There's two players, can they yeah. find a potentially Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert? Heck, they're going to throw a lot of darts at the dartboard. One of them's going to be a bullseye. Yeah, one of them will hit at least. <laughs> you think? I mean, they're really they better they better start scouting now on eighth yeah. graders. <laughs> eighth and ninth graders, they better be scouting right now. Yeah, on the phone. Be like, hey, when you're when you pick your kid up from school today, can you put him on the phone? And <laughs> hey, LeBron, we want to talk about your son. Oh yeah, Bronny looks good. No, no, Bryce. How's he looking? <laughs> We're thinking 2026. We're taking Bryce, number one overall pick. What do you think? Bryce. Um, well, and you know, from Cleveland's side, I mean, now they have a nice little pairing with Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, uh, Jared Allen. That's a nice little team they got there. And, you know, they were the ninth seed in the Eastern Conference um, mm-hmm. last year. But before that, they were like, I want to say they were like sixth. I think they were as high as um, four, like three or four. Yeah, they got up the there. Um, they're playing oh. well. I think they were like really solid defensively, and then they're making mm-hmm. a lot of big time shots. Uh, playing, I mean, Darius Garland just balled out last year. He was an all star for the first time, maybe second time. Um, but I think that was like a breakout year for him. Uh, do you think this is Mitchell's team? right away he's got to be the first option on this team uh yeah i think so um i i would i would imagine so do right? you think do you think donovan mitchell is a top 25 player in the nba 25 yeah 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 for sure 25 okay because that's uh, tough. i don't i, I, I... And the Cavs record that it wasn't the 2020, I mean, in 2021 season, it was previous season when they were, yeah, they were as high as four. Yeah. So Uh-oh. they have a pretty nice team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, top 25. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I mean, how they, much, how much do you think this boosts them up? They might be as high as like six or so. I don't think they're higher than Chicago. Definitely not Brooklyn, Philly, um, Milwaukee. Boston. They might be better than Toronto now. I'd probably say that. They're better than Toronto. Um, uh, Atlanta. Do you think they're better than Atlanta? They might be. Yeah, so I'll just quickly go through uh, Boston. No. Brooklyn. No. Uh, Philly. No, I think Philly's better. Okay. Better than Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. I think because Mitchell is, I, I trust Mr. Mitchell more than anyone else on that court. Okay, Chicago. I think Chicago's still better. I don't know. Um, 
So maybe maybe they're in the they're, maybe they're in the Chicago range. Uh, they're not better than Milwaukee. Might be better than Atlanta, maybe. But Atlanta got better too. Um, Who did the, uh, oh, they Charlotte. got um, Moutier. No. Mm-hmm. Yes, is that a, that was his last name, right? Um, I, we're thinking of the same player, but I'm. <laughs> uh, from Spurs. What's his name? Oh, um, Murray. 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 <laughs> yes. <Moutier>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, then John Collins is there. Um, our boy uh, Bogdanovich is there. Um, Clint Capella is there. Um, DeAndre Hunter's there. Obviously, they have Trey. Um, Miami. Not better than Miami. Miami's uh, better, Orlando, sure. Washington. Um, so, I mean, we can easily say that Miami's better. Atlanta, maybe. Milwaukee's better. Chicago, they're on the fringe. They're better than Toronto, Philly, Brooklyn. Yeah, so, I mean, they're probably hanging around. The same spot. Yeah, eight, seven, six, maybe five. <laughs> they're better than the Knicks. I'll give them that. They're better than the Knicks. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Knicks. Couldn't even get Donovan Mitchell. Better than the Knicks. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this how this works out for Cleveland because I do think Utah gets put in a very good position after both of these deals. And then from Cleveland's side, it is going to be interesting to see how much this changes the team. Um, yeah. Because if you go down the – and it's not necessarily – I mean, the Cavs got better. Yes, for sure. But is Donovan Mitchell going to move the needle to put you up in, like, the top four category? I don't know. And I, I'm not trying to make that sound like it's a knock on Mitchell. I think just the top of the East is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And one player – there are very few players in the league that would be able to take Cleveland in their current construction and vault them all the way up to – top four there's only a handful of players that can do that um, like i don't even know if lebron could do that right now can't get the lakers up there right now so um that's gonna that sounds really bad like i hate lebron i don't but uh, yeah um but uh yeah so donovan mitchell goes to cleveland um and utah is picking everybody for the next 12 years what is this this is the reset button they're pressing it. They are tanking. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So last and final thing to quickly cover, not going to be a huge segment, but college football did return. And we're going to have to get Dom back on the show uh, yeah. to talk about some college football. I'm going to try my damnedest to watch um, some more college football this season. It's hard for me, not because I don't find it enjoyable, because I do find it very enjoyable. I just don't have a team. I don't know who to root for. I don't know <laughs> what teams that. I, I know that mm-hmm. a lot of when I say that, people are like, well, you just pick a team. And say, it's like, I understand that. But like, I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, so the game that I paid attention to was the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Uh, and that first half, man, I really thought Notre Dame might have a chance. Um, and I mean, that first half went, I think, exactly the way that they would have wanted right? I mean, it was a ball control type game and they were keeping it out of uh, Ohio State's hands. It was 10 to 7 heading into halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, God, they stalled in the second half, scored zero points uh, in the third and fourth quarter. And then Ohio State uh, just kind of slowly started to pull away. It's not like Ohio State blew them out. I don't think this makes Notre Dame look bad by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think most people were expecting them to get blown out by Ohio State. And I don't think it was because Notre Dame isn't a good team, but more so because Ohio State is like predicted to be this huge juggernaut. Well, they so, have some really talented playmakers, even with their uh, number one wide receiver um, out. Mm-hmm. Um, so to hold Ohio State to seven points in the first half and only 14 in the second half, that's a good showing from Notre Dame. I do think yeah. that that is a good showing uh, for, for the Irish. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting there and I was like, man, this has the making of being like a great capper to the first first weekend, I think official officially second weekend of college football, right? If they could just like tag along with this. And their defense, I think, played really well. Yeah. Uh, forcing C.J. Stroud into difficult situations and his like those throws on the sidelines – I think they were like back-to-back drives of big-time third downs, getting first downs of it was like, okay, he's just running out of bounds or throwing it away, and he's just putting it right on a dot to only where his receivers could get it. And it was like, Mm -hmm. well, Notre Dame played that perfectly. It's just they just got – that's amazing. Like this guy might win the Heisman this year. Right. Right. And that's just kind of what it came down to. And then their offense, which – looked pretty formidable in the first half like you said just stalled really they couldn't Mm -hmm. they had awful field position the whole second half it seemed they were inside their own 10 and they just couldn't get anything going Mm -hmm. it just sucks like i if that if ohio state had a dance partner man that could have been like a really memorable opening game with a third the second seed versus the fifth seed really Well, I mean, it was it was definitely an interesting game um, from the sense that I don't think Ohio State played as well as they were expected to, and I think Notre Dame uh, performed better than they were expected to. So it was you know surprising on on both of those fronts. Um, well, I think was a, oh, I, before like I think it's tough though that, and I I think it's it's awesome that we had this out of conference schedule where these big time programs are scheduling each other, but for Ohio state to schedule Notre Dame to open its season, that's guts there. I think that's, that's pretty ballsy. And for uh, Ryan day's team to come out there and get a win when maybe they didn't have their best stuff, that's going to go such a long way. Yeah. Especially towards the end. Like this team, they probably played as badly as they did last year when they lost to Oregon early on, mm-hmm. right? But then this way they got a win, and then that's just going to vault them up when they finally get their footing, right? Um, and then on the other side, Notre Dame scheduling at Ohio State to open up the year, which is probably one of the top five hardest places to play in college football. Stones. <laughs> you just you just tip your hat to a man. Stones. I think Notre Dame played a lot better than people thought, and they shouldn't fall out of the top ten for that they're probably going to drop to like six seven maybe yeah yeah uh and i'm sorry i have to bring it up i really do but i have to so pretend this is like an o for like oregon right i'm 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 georgia what's oregon i don't know what oregon is this is that's what happened (laughs) this is this is the game you rehearse that no on the spot like this (laughs) is the game plan right here 
for uh, for what ended up happening. I don't want to. I don't want to throw it in your face or anything like that. I really don't. I mean, I was I was rooting for them. Um, but uh, and you know what? I actually I really like Bo Nix. I remember when he was at Auburn. And there was a game I had never heard of him. Obviously, I think it was like yeah, he lit freshman. up Oregon. Yeah, it was his freshman season. Like he was, he was so much fun to watch. Yeah, he um, lit so up Oregon knew, when Justin Herbert was there. Yeah, I actually knew Bo a little bit, and at least not personally, but from watching him. Um, and I was like, oh, you know what? He's a he's a solid quarterback going to going to Oregon. This will be fun. It wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think he had fun. <laughs> Stenson Bennett. 25 for 31, 368 yards, two touchdowns. Georgia just keeps rolling it. I'm sorry. Oregon just got plastered. So I'm going to copy and paste what I just said for Ohio State and Notre Dame. For Oregon to schedule this game at Georgia took some big balls. Um, This just completely showed the levels of college football. Yeah. yeah, they might have been eight spots, I guess, in the in the AP poll, where Georgia was three, Oregon was eleven, but it seemed like there was probably fifty teams in between these two. Like it seemed like a JV versus varsity game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it shows that Georgia should have been a little higher. I think it mostly shows that Oregon was probably a little too high going in. Um, and again, it's one game. I mean, how many times we, we got blown out in countless sports, mostly football, where Mm -hmm. you could go from having a great week, great scheme, matching up well, absolutely destroyed the next week. Does that define your team? No. Does it look bad? Senior season, our senior season. (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't look bad on a national stage when, even if you compete, Oregon could have opened some eyes and been like, okay, Pac-12 is still a Power 5 conference. Mm-hmm. But with them losing the way they did, which was embarrassing, and Utah losing to Florida, which was an unranked SEC team, Pac-12 is done. It's just – it's it's done. And then um, also before – it's a, we'll have to talk about this later, and I want to save this for Dom, uh, yeah. but a 12-team playoff has been yeah. – uh, has yeah, been college, accepted. College football just sprinkled that in. It just threw that out there yesterday, uh, and it was like, oh, perfect. Twenty twenty six, like twenty twenty six, right? Yeah. So yeah. we'll have to. I just throwing that out there as as like, yes, we we are aware that that happened, but I want to save that for Dom because I think he would be the person to really talk about that with. So, so I think this is perfect though to talk about just briefly. If you're taking. Maybe Oregon's not a good example of a top 12 team, right? Maybe that's clear. But if Oregon is is truly the 11th best program in the country, are those first round games just going to be like just awful? Potentially. Potentially. I mean, like you said, this example is perfect. The two seed versus the 11 seed. Uh, Now the preseason, you know, like, like you mentioned is a little bit different so who knows but um i don't know they're they do run the risk of having um be an issue um so it'll be interesting to see how that bracket breaks down like if they're gonna do you know one and two take a bye and then five teams go at it and then do that 
Um, I think they said <clears throat> I was reading it was just like sliding down while the Oregon game was going on. I think it's the four conference champions get buys, and then they do, um, and then everyone else plays each other if they get buys into the second round. I think is what it said. Well, again, we'll have Dom on the show and assuming he can come back on. Um, wants to. Who knows? Yeah, he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, if he doesn't, then obviously, uh, or if he can't, then, you know, we'll uh, we'll talk about that at a later date. But uh, definitely want to save that for him. Uh, and 2026, yeah, it's a long ways away, but 12 teams have been accepted in college football. So, all right. Um, well, that'll do it for us. Uh, be on the lookout for the other episode coming out this week. It's going to be all NFL. It's just going to be picks. Uh, it should be a fun episode. Just going to be picks and more picks on top of picks. So games, divisions, playoff, all that stuff. Uh, previewing week one. So keep an eye uh, out for that. Have a great week. Um, enjoy both episodes. Have a fun time watching uh, week one of the NFL. And we'll see you all next week. See you. Peace.